do you ever feel overwhelmed by how much stuff you have? My grandparents, who lived in northwest Iowa, were notorious for keeping everything. (laughs) They grew up in the Depression, so everything had to be saved. A penny saved is a penny earned, and they kept everything around their house. Uh, You know, I, I remember as a kid visiting them and uh, going upstairs and, you know, their kids' rooms, their kids had been gone for 30 or 40 years and they still had all of their stuff in their rooms. And one room was just entirely full of boxes. I mean, to get in, you had to open the door like this and kind of... <laughs> it was impossible to even see what was all in there. Our family had our work cut out for them when they moved off their farm. And even after they moved into one apartment and then a smaller one, they still had so much stuff. We still haven't even sorted out everything, even though my grandpa has now been gone for uh, close to a year. Sarah and I try to keep our house as uncluttered as possible with two kids. Uh, we're going through things again to give things to affordables. Uh, The problem is we tend to buy just as much stuff as we give away. Uh, It's like everything just keeps multiplying. You know, we we shove stuff into closets, into the basement, into the garage. When we, you know, move to just having uh, one car, our two-car garage somehow filled back in. (laughs) Anybody have that happen to you? (laughs) Um, Now we have a two-car garage, and our car doesn't even fit in it. (laughs) A lot of people have the same problem with storage sheds and barns. They accumulate so much stuff that they don't have enough space for it all, so they rent a self-storage unit. Self-storage is a $27 billion a year business in the United States, almost twice as big as the entire music industry. Well, in Luke 12, Jesus told a parable about a rich man whose crops produced so abundantly that he didn't have room for it all. It was a bumper crop. They didn't have co-op silos to store it all in. He said, so he had this conversation with himself. What shall I do? What shall I do? I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build bigger ones to store it all. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty laid up for many years. Live it up. But that very night, God said to him, you fool. Tonight your life will end. And who will get all the stuff that you have hoarded for yourself? Our possessions can possess us. We can get so focused on what we have and what we want that we forget those who don't even have what they need. Was that what happened to the guy in our gospel story today? That same story that we heard from Mark is also told in the Gospels of Matthew, in the Gospels of Luke. Matthew calls him a young man. Luke calls him a ruler. He seemed to have it all going for him. 
He was successful and rich and important guy. He'd obviously been blessed. He sincerely wanted to follow God. He, he wanted to do the right things. And so he came to Jesus and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, Well, follow God's commandments. And the young man said, I've been doing that my whole life. But Jesus looked at him. He saw right into who he was and loved him. And Jesus said to him, you lack one thing. There's one thing missing in your life. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. The young man was shocked and went away grieving because he had many possessions. What was he missing? What did he lack? Was he not generous enough? Was his stuff getting in the way? He seemed to be doing all the right things, but Jesus said that he was missing something. It's not like he was overly proud about himself. He said, yeah, I've, I've been keeping the commandments. What else do I need to do? He felt like there was something else to be done. So he asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What's enough for God? It seems like a good question. It's important to know what God wants, right? Over the next few weeks leading up to Consecration Sunday on November 8th, those of us who consider Emmanuel their church home are going to consider and pray about a similar question. What part of my income is God asking me to give to the work of this congregation next year? What's enough for God? What does he want from me? Does God want a tithe, 10% of my income? Is that before or after taxes? Can I at least take a step toward tithing? Can I take a step beyond it? What else does God want? Does God want me to volunteer in the community every week? Certainly He wants every one of us to come to worship every Sunday, to pray and read the Bible every day, to study His Word with others, to help people in need. God wants all of that and more. You lack one thing, Jesus said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus wants more than your money and your time and your talents. He wants you. All of who you are. If Jesus had a recruiting poster, it might look like this. I want you. Not just your stuff, not just your time, not just your resources. I want you. If Jesus was talking to you instead of the rich young ruler, if He looked right at you, right into your soul, and said, you lack one thing, what might be that one thing for you.
what most often gets in between you and God? Are you lazy in your prayer life? Do you neglect reading God's Word on your own and with other people? Maybe you have an unresolved conflict or a grudge against someone. Maybe you have an addiction that you can't shake, and it's coming between you and God. Are you chronically anxious about something? Your health, your family, your money. Many of us are caught in the same trap as the rich young ruler. We're not sure if we own stuff or our stuff owns us. As Americans, we are the most affluent nation in the world in history. Americans own and consume more resources than anyone else in the world. No wonder we so easily turn money into a god in our lives, something that we put our trust in. I'm not so sure about, you know, on the dollar bill it says, in God we trust. Is that really true? Think about how much time each day you spend earning money, spending money, and worrying about money. We not only invest our money, but we are invested in our money. Our money is essentially stored time and talent. We've invested ourselves in doing something, and in return, we've been given these slips of paper. Money represents our time and energy. It's connected with our sense of worth and how others value us. Do you remember this ad by ING a few years back? Uh, What's your number? You know, the number that these guys are, you know, carrying around with them is what you're worth. It's your future. And so, the ad goes, you need to protect it. No wonder that we're reluctant to give our money away. It feels like it's a part of us. Jesus said, give to Caesar what, is, what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. If God made and still owns everything, then we need to give back to God what belongs to Him. But how much is enough? What will get me on God's good side? Jesus invited the, good, the rich young ruler to follow Him. The man struggled with the choices in front of him and said no. He sighed and turned away, heavy-hearted. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples were perplexed. They thought, well, surely people who are financially blessed must be on God's good side already. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for anyone. It's hard to let go of control and let God rule our lives rather than holding on to our own sense 
of running our lives. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, that was the biggest animal that they'd ever seen and the smallest hole that they could think of. And so his disciples were astounded. They said, what do you mean, Jesus? God has blessed that rich young ruler so much. He's been following the commandments his whole life. If he isn't part of God's kingdom, then who is? Who can be saved? Jesus looked at his disciples and said, it's impossible for humans. You can't do it. You lack one thing. No one can be saved. You can't give enough. You can't serve enough. You can't be good enough. It'll never be enough to enter God's kingdom. For humans, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. You and I can never do enough, but Christ has done enough for us. As Jesus gave His life on the cross, He said, it is finished. Or it is accomplished. Jesus did what we can't do. He gave His whole life. He gave it all. Just as Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, Jesus looks at you and loves you. He says, you lack one thing. Come, follow me. Follow me and I'll give you what you lack. God's love. It'll change your life. Follow me. Nothing else is more important. And of course, following Jesus means going where He goes. To the cross. It's hard to live in the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Living under God's rule demands our best efforts. All that we have to give. Following Jesus is difficult. It involves making tough decisions. Sometimes it means getting rid of things that we used to build our lives around. Instead, it means having our lives built around Christ and His mission to redeem the world. The rich young ruler's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, was the wrong question. When you think about it, it's kind of an odd question. What must I do to inherit something? An inheritance is a gift. Someone dies and gives it to you. You don't do anything to receive it. The rich young ruler, when he asked that question, didn't know that the source of true riches was standing right in front of him. In your Bibles, if you have them, or if you don't, grab the one that's in front of you. Turn to the letter to the Ephesians. In your pew Bible, it's 1818. Paul talks about this inheritance that we are given. Starting in verse 17, he says, 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Christ died to give you eternal life in God's kingdom. That's your inheritance, a free gift. Now what are you going to do with it? How will you respond when Jesus calls you to follow Him? What will that mean for your life? Everything that we are and everything that we have belongs to God. He created it all, and He still owns it. We're only stewards, managers of these gifts that God has given to us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of His gracious love. How will we use them for His kingdom? Let's pray. Gracious and Almighty Father, thank You for sending Jesus as the truest treasure for us. Deliver us from clinging to any other would-be treasures. Nothing is impossible for You, so help us through that needle's eye. Make us good stewards and generous givers of what You have first given us, now and for eternity. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Lord, we thank you today for that privilege we have to give our lives to you. And you take it, Lord. You take our, our wills. You take our very being. And you use our lives for so many good things as we open up our, our hearts to you. We thank you for all the blessings of life, all the things that we indeed do take for granted, the things that, that we fill our homes up with and other things that so often are things that uh, we just do and, and, and experience and don't think twice about it. But we know these things are all gifts from you. And as, as we give back to you our time, talents, and treasures, let us keep those wonderful blessings in mind. We thank you, Lord, for, for the, the, the treasures of life. We know today there are many who are experiencing turmoil. We know that uh, many in South Carolina are, uh, are struggling because of the flooding that has taken place. And we pray that you would give them the help they need and in body, mind, and spirit and, and financial ways as well. So we just uh, put our lives into your hands, thanking you for what you have done and what you will continue to do. Thank you for our time together as your family here again today. Amen. <laughs>